All right, everyone, welcome to the podcast. I got an awesome guest today, uh, Curtis Rutledge. I say that correctly? Yes, sir. All right, man. Hey, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you, you reaching out to me because I'm trying to find people like you that are doing some really awesome things and kind of have a, a passion and a mission in life. And I, I appreciate you reaching out to help out with, you know, finding people like you. So it's a pleasure to have you on, man. It's an honor to be with you. Hey, so 12-year Army veteran, um, deployed multiple times to Iraq. When did you get out? Uh, I got out of active duty about 2011, and then from there I went to the National Guard and uh, did the state mission here until about 2014, and uh, it wasn't uh, just wasn't meshing anymore. The, the new military isn't what it used to be, so that's about the time I decided to get out and uh, pursue a civilian career. Okay. Okay. I got out in 17 and yeah, it's uh, a lot of changes, man, especially now, even in the last five years, you know, I, I work for the government as a civilian right now and I've just watched from a distance, you know, in the military and I've seen how it changes, you know, and it's going to change of course, over time, you know, the military yeah. that we were in wasn't the same military that was going on in Vietnam, you know? No, not at all. You know, it, it is what it is, but yeah, it, it's, it's a, kind of a reality check and kind of a hard pill to swallow when you see some of the things die off like they are, but you know, it is what it is. So, uh, deployed three times to Iraq. Tell me about the one that brought you home on a medevac out of Ramadi. Yeah. So we were, uh, we were on a mission outside of Ramadi, the vehicle in front of me. Um, I was the ACC assistant convoy commander. The vehicle in front of me, uh, got hit with an IED. So, um, we were escorting, uh, transportation unit. And so we, I was a part of a transportation unit. I was in the gun truck platoon. And so I hopped out to get out and uh, secure the load. We were right outside Ramadi down the road from Fallujah and um, got out to secure it. Long story short, a uh, one of the soldiers didn't listen, hit me upside the head with a uh, ratchet strap and I ended up falling and landing on my back on, uh, mm. on right outside Ramadi. Ended my career. Ooh. Ooh, I got a bad back too, man, from stuff I did on active duty. I got a torn up shoulder too from, you know, all the cargo and stuff I helped load. And ugh, I, I, I hear you on back problems, man. And so they had to medevac you out of there. Yeah, it, it was funny because I remember finally um, between Baghdad and uh, going from Arati to Baghdad, from Baghdad to Launchstool. Uh, I think launched was the first time where I wasn't totally um, doped up where I was kind of cognizant and I kind of got the gravity of the situation. And uh, that's when it kind of hit me about my whole plan for my future had really changed at that point. And then it was just trying to figure it out, wrap my head around it and um, just trying to grasp uh, who I was from there on, because I had planned, you know, to be a 20 year man. Um, I was pushing for, you know, my SF packet, my Ranger school packet. I was, I, I, that was my end game. I wanted to go that route and, uh, I got, I had got accepted to army dive school. And so I was planning to get out of there, uh, get out of my unit and go to school. But once that happened, they took all my, all those options away. And that's where my hurdles from getting out and everything, trying to transition from military to civilian kind of started. Mm, thanks. So it was a pretty good injury. If they had to medevac you out of there, were you able to walk? Yeah, um, they they immobilized me for the first like five days. Um, I uh, my wrist, I have a pretty gnarly scar. 
I shattered my wrist really well. Uh, I landed with that on my back. My L1 and L2 are, are uh, compressed, and then my L2 to L3, it's a bulging disc. So mm. it's, it's good times. Yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a fractured disc down in my, uh, I think it's L1 as well. Um, I have a fractured disc and a formerly fractured vertebrae that the Air Force didn't catch, and it healed. And, you know, a fracture is not a complete break, you know, as people know, but when it's not treated, even the smallest sliver of a fracture, once it heals, well, now the bone is bigger. Even if it's just so minute that you you can't see it in the naked eye, it takes x-ray and some kind of imaging to see it, it throws everything off. Now I have nerve pain, you know, I can wake up on the most random day and just struggle to get out of bed. It's just, ugh. if I could do it all over again, I could avoid that, avoid back pain. I'll take any other pain. I don't want that. Oh pain. yeah. It's, yep. it's a nightmare, but, um, so it's, going out of Ramadi a, was a, was a bit of a task, yeah, man. It was a, it was a big blow to my, my ego. Yeah. Um, I was actually the next day I was, I needed to go to, um, promotion board and soldier of the month board. Um, so I was, I was making my way. I was best shape of my life. I was double timing on PT. I was doing multiple PT sessions in one day. I just wanted to be, I wanted to give myself the best chance for success when I switched over my, my, my career path. And, uh, I guess the man upstairs had a different plan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it couldn't have landed at worst time with, you know, a ranger packet going in, get it in, accepted a dive school and and then going up for promotions man that couldn't have hit at a worse time but it kind of like you said the man upstairs had bigger plans for you then you got out um tell me about the transition getting out of the army um it was uh so what they call it here in the army we call it emergency ets when i got back from my third tour i um i had less than 90 days until my ets date and so it was one of those finagled things where I had built up too much leave. And and uh, it was about that time, 2010, 2011, where everything was changing. Um, you couldn't have over 90 days of ETS leave. You couldn't. So I had to go on leave for like a week, come back and then do 89 more days. And it was it was just real quick, you know, how it is get ETSing and then just trying to figure out yourself from, you know, the, the, the career plans of being a 20 year man in the military to kind of what you want to do. And, um, luckily for me, I had some, you know, family members and some friends that, you know, I they got me into law enforcement towing. And, uh, that's kind of when I decided I wanted to do law enforcement. And, um, I started doing that. I did that for about three years, uh, CEO private prisons and stuff like that. And then, um, I, uh, what was it about hit a brick wall with that. I was testing for the sheriff's department, hitting a really bad brick wall in 2014. And, about then is when I started looking into getting into like the welding and stuff like that. And then it took me about five years to get into uh, welding. 2017, horrible breakup with one of my exes. Really, really bad low point. I did what every other stereotypical guy does. I went out and bought something I couldn't afford for my midlife crisis. Bought a 68 <laughs> Chevelle. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, and so I was just like, okay. So I'm like, I could do this. This can't be that hard. So then I started learning, you know, pricing and and I realized I'm like, God, this is so expensive. I was like, no wonder all the older guys who have retired and have this these great cars, you know, can afford this. And so that's when I'm like, okay, well, I got some time left on my GI Bill. So I'm like, screw it, let's just go to uh, welding school. 
I'm like, if I can make it through welding school, anybody can. And so, uh, by the grace of God, I passed all my, all my tests, I, I, all my certifications, and I was able to walk out of there. And, uh, you know, it's a blessing and a curse to have served, you know, um, the back pain kicks up when you're trying to weld and when you're trying to do what you love, but it, it's, uh, it makes it all worth it. You know, um, yeah. I never would have thought I'd be on this end doing a nonprofit. I always saw them and I thought, I'm like, well, that's cool. But now being able to, um, see it full circle and then hear myself talk about it from where I was to where I am now. It's a, it's a, it's a blessing and it's a great journey that can pass on to other veterans who may be unsure of what their, you know, what their, their course is right now. Yeah. Cause welding school, a lot of people think, Oh, you know, welding school, it can't be that bad. You know, you go to a Votech or whatever, you learn how to put two pieces of metal together. What's the big deal? Welding school. Like I've seen some videos on, you know, Instagram and even TikTok where, you know, they're grading the students pretty tough. You know, you have to pass a bin test and no cracks and man, they really put you through the ringer. It's not a joke. No, it's, you know, and, and I, I went through with, uh, one other guy, he was a Marine. Um, he's still currently a Marine. He was active duty and, and I believe he's reservist now and a uh, good friend of mine still. Um, but his standards and my standards were a lot, higher and a lot more um we were a lot harder on ourselves and i think that's you, you catch that a lot in a lot of other veterans who are you know um like entrepreneurs now that's like you said in one of your previous podcasts there's been a massive influx of veterans and we don't it's not that we don't want to work for other people it's we want that um individuality we want that uh, we want to be able to make our own course path yeah and um so we with live me up and to him our own standards through, yes and so um, yeah, welding school was, it, it, you know, getting back to it, it, welding school, it wasn't easy. I never welded a day in my life before, but I've, I've always been um, overly passionate about cars. I grew up around cars. Um, I, I can't think of anything that I would rather spend my time doing on a free day than working on some of my projects or helping friends and families out or teaching my kids how to, you know, weld and work on cars. And it's, it's very calming and soothing but it's very pricey. Um, my grandfather, he's a retired Navy vet. And he always said, if you have expensive hobbies, you can't afford to do drugs or alcohol. So I've, I've always lived by it and I have super expensive hobby of cars. So I'm blessed. It is, man. We had a, a 68 Camaro a long time ago and, you know, we eventually got rid of it because the welding that it needed on the undercarriage was just so extensive that it needed you needed, I either needed to cough up the money to have a serious professional shop, take it over, acid dip it, and then just start hacking away, or I needed to buy like a new body. Like I no joke yeah. needed to get like a pre-molded new body that with a new VIN and all that stuff. Um, so it was just a money pit, but man, I mean, you know, $200 for a quarter panel, you know, $200 for this, you know, a new radiator mount is this, a new radiator is that. Next thing you know, you know, you spent a thousand dollars and you got parts, but you, they don't do anything because you, yeah. you still got other stuff you got to buy to go with them. And it's like, wow, it, it is, it is very expensive. It is not a, you know, a, a hobby it's not for the faint of heart. No, it's not. And you know, one day we're going to do it again. I don't know what we're going to do. If we're going to do an old Camaro. We've talked about an old Corvette, but those are even worse, you know, yeah. on the budget. Um, talked about an old dodge charger as well because my wife's a big fan you know of those 69 dodge chargers but it is golly it is not 
ex- cheap at all. It's so expensive. No. But, and it's even worse if you can't do stuff yourself. You know, like I, I can't weld. I can't weld for nothing, man. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm the worst welder in the world. I got to have somebody else do it. That's one of those things yeah. I got to hire somebody to do. Other things I can do. I can't weld. <laughs> yeah, that's like me. When I started off, I was very uns- uncertain of myself. And uh, and so through the journey of the school, what I loved about the school is in the military, you know, we have that the military teaches you like that crawl, walk, run phase. And so that's why I, I just kind of clicked with the school. It taught you. Uh, we did everything was in the, in the classroom first, learning OSHA regulations, AWS, you know, regulations. And so it really worked well because I kind of had that mentality, you know, I was used to the death by PowerPoint where I had like, you know, 19, 20 year old kids sitting next to me. They're like dozing off and I'm all I'm the only one excited in the class because I know this life. I know the death by PowerPoint and <laughs> yeah. the crawl, walk, run. So and then when I was finally able to get out there in the shop, I was chomping at the bit to be able to tear apart a torch and learn how to make and, and then learn how to do, uh, you know, stick and flux core and TIG welding. And so. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's, it's a passion, you know, it's a being here in Southern California, it's a blessing and a curse to be a welder because it is like, uh, here locally Bakersfield, it is, it's always, our summers are amazingly hot. feels like I'm back down range, but it's at the end of the day though, you know, when you burn some good metal and whether you're working on a classic like this, or, you know, you're burning some pipeline out in the fields, it's a great feeling to know that what you've done is going to last beyond you or, or beyond your children. And, and, and you, you know, you can pass that down to your kids and it's a, it's a great feeling. It gives you that, that sense of purpose that, you know, you, you started off not knowing, you know, um, and then you, you, you learn how to do it. Like my Achilles heel is electrical. I won't do electrical. I'm terrified of electrical. I've been shocked too many times. <laughs> I used to, I, I used to do pro-am drifting up in Washington state when I was based up at Fort Lewis and, uh, messing with those imports. I've shocked myself too many times. So that's my Achilles heel. But I mean, you get me in a corner with some metal fab and some metal stuff and I'll be happy all day. Let's go back to what you just said. You used to do pro-am drifting up in Washington. Yeah. What, what got you into that? Um, I hate to say it and be cliche, but, uh, I was, I was raised a classic guy. Um, my grandfather, uh, we, we lived in Bay area, born and raised. I was, I was raised over in uh, Oakland area in California. And then when we, I was about nine, my mom moved us to the East coast. So I didn't really know anybody there. So early two thousands, fast and furious came out. Super street magazine was on the rise. And, uh, I, I was getting back into cars. I'd been more focused on sports and fast and furious came out. Um, I wasn't a Honda guy. I never been a big Honda guy or Acura guy. And I just instantly fell in love with all things, not uh, Datsun and Nissan. And, uh, all my cars were either, uh, 240s or uh, second gen 240s, S14s and stuff like that, SR20s. And I just loved the fact of, you know, in drifting, it's kind of like when you're overseas and, you know, whether you're in the middle of a firefight or uh, you're a, you know, a mechanic, um, drifting, what I loved about it was the fact that, you know, the vehicle looks like it's totally out of control and mm-hmm. but yet the driver is in a a whole level whole another level of um control it, it's almost euphoric you know you everything slows down and um it's just you're one and with the car you know and i have i've been blessed to work with some people here locally it's another nonprofit up north that he's the same mentality but with uh drag racing he pays for veterans to go drag racing and he pays sponsors their fees. So we're working with that in the future as well. But 
for me, I've always loved drifting. Um, my oldest son, he's he's getting into it now too. So that's going to be another expensive habit, but um, same thing. <laughs> he loves Nissans. Um, I want to be able to take this truck when we're finished and take it out and do pro touring truck uh, with the, the truck pro uh, time attack and just take our veterans out and show them fruits of the labor. Um, you know, show them that American muscle is still American muscle. You know, you can you can buy mommy and Bobby and mommy and daddy, excuse me, can buy you that sixty thousand dollar SS Camaro or GT Mustang. And but you're not going to beat this. This thing's going to go up in value. And, you know, you put a modern powertrain like a nice LS in there that we have. And you're going to be able to enjoy it, like I said, for hundreds of years, you know, as long as you maintain it right. And yeah. uh, that's what the whole basis of Shift 6 was, was giving people that skill set, you know, whether you start small with metal fab or welding or paint and body to get that confidence to be able to pull yourself a big project like this and, you know, walk it all the way through. So what kind of truck do you got behind you? For those those who can't see it, this is audio only. He, you know, he's yeah. in the garage. There's a there's a truck behind him. What kind of truck is it? So it's a 1970 C10. It's uh, it's got a uh, oh, LS. Man. It's got a 5.3 um, GM engine. Uh, it's LS platform. I got a. Uh, it's got cam kit in there. Uh, we got a VS turbo racing setup on there. Um, we're in the process of redoing the, all the suspension. We've. Uh, deleted all the panels, the marker light panels. Um, oh. We made it look like a 67, 68. I'm, I'm working with Venata Fabs. He's another veteran um, to 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 get some of his parts. Great guy. Um, just trying to use the veteran community to teach our veterans on what we have. And then, you know, also be able to take it out and show them what we can do with the fruits of their labor and then carry it on to their own life aspects. So it's, it's a great hobby but like we like we said before it's very expensive expensive yeah i want to um i want a 70 or 69 c10 that's really what i want I, I would probably buy one if i could buy one in good enough shape and daily drive it i would but you know not right now. <laughs> i think at the end of the day i i still i have a 2015 dodge ram diesel and i still feel more comfortable in the classics because i feel like if i get no accident in those i'm gonna last a lot better than i will in my my, my daily driver well yeah not only that but you're driving a diesel out in california i mean i'm sure you get some looks doing that oh man it's a it's a great time i <laughs> th thankfully here uh kern county as a whole it's a, i call it anomaly we're very pro uh, second amendment pro we're very patriotic, you know, pro-law enforcement. Um, it's a great community, very veteran supportive. We have a very high populace of veterans. Um, I had the, 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 the great joy of working at another nonprofit before I started my own and kind of opened my eyes to all the amenities that were here locally to help veterans. And, and so that's where Shift 6 came about was I'm like, all right, we have equestrian therapy. We have physical fitness. We have, you know, um, hunting excursions for veterans, you know, and and I'm like, well, why don't we have something that can teach our veterans skills and give them another skill set? Because we all kind of feel lost when we get out of the military because we lost that, you know, uh, one of my jobs was a calf scout. I can't go be a calf scout unless I'm doing, you know, contractor or a lot of 11 Bravos or mortarmen, machine gunners. You can't carry on that job in the civilian, you know, life. Yeah. Um, so replacing that skill set with metallurgy or, uh, you know, uh, whether it's any sort of shop, metal fabrication, paint and body, that was really my goal. You know, once I once I bought that midlife crisis vehicle and then I realized what I got myself into, you know, as a veteran, we try to figure out a way to execute and, and you know, carry on. And that's what I did. 
I got so myself you, through that public school. Yeah, so you kind of answered my next question, but we'll go into a little more detail on it. So you obviously yeah. noticed that they're in the local community, you know, equestrian therapy, all kinds of different therapy and things you could do. But you noticed that there's a bit of a void in a in kind of the fabrication metalworks area that you thought could, you know, lean forward and do a lot for veterans. You know, and then so you were working for a nonprofit, but then the idea of teaching veterans to weld, how did shift six really come about? Take me to like day one. Yeah. So I worked at a nonprofit, a uh, great local nonprofit here called wounded, uh, wounded, wounded heroes fund, excuse me. And, uh, my, the founder, Wendy Porter, um, she decided to give me a chance. I was very rough around the ev- edges coming straight out of welding school. My language was, uh, like I was back overseas, but after being there for a couple of years, about a year, I went from a work study to uh, an employee. And then I went from an employee to being a salaried employee. And I kind of just tried to take on as much as I possibly could. And it was about that time right before I became salary. I was like, you know what? I really love doing this. You know, I love, I missed the law enforcement aspect, but my, I've always loved cars. I, I will always love working on cars and being around cars and going to car shows. But if I can bring other veterans into my passion and, you know, give them the skill set that helped bring me out of my dark times in 2017 and give them a skill set that, you know, may possibly keep them busy one day. Um, you know, we always, everybody always talks about that, that, you know, the, the 22 a day. Um, I'm just happy with saving one person's life or giving them a skill set to where it keeps them away from even the thought of that. Right. You know, I, I tell I tell everybody a part of our programs, if you ever have a problem, if you ever want to come burn some metal, um, I don't care. Um, my neighbor next door to me, he's a union welder. Um, my other neighbor, he's a, a union electrician. So most of my neighbors are, they, they their hours are very, so they're really cool. Um, but my thing is getting us a skill set, you know, um, I looked at our, I don't want to say competition, but I looked at other nonprofits and saw what they offered, you know, and what I noticed was a lot of it was, you know, you had to be a combat vet or you had to be a, this service era veteran, or you had to be um, a male or something like that. And I'm like, you know what, screw it. Veteran care is not that hard. Um, It's very, it's relatively easy, especially those of us who've been deployed. We know how simple it is to take care of a veteran, especially those guys, you know, who've been uh, deployed for multiple times, you know, you give us you know, nice hot shower, some hot shower every once in a while and a nice place to lay down where we're not going to get chewed up by the critters. And we're good. We can live like that for those 15, 18 months plus, you know. And so I'm like, if we can give our veterans a nice, safe, conducive environment, you know, with a with a local hot rod shop that's an industry leader and growing, you know, these guys are willing to give up their time and their resources to teach our veterans. Why not? You know, this is a you know, this has been a great opportunity the, the people that we work with that we've already partnered with, you know, the, the industry leaders that we've already reached out to that have donated to us there, they, they welcomed us with open arms and we're, you know, it's, we're still at the, the very, I don't want to say the very beginning, um, but we're, we're still starting the growing phase. You know, we, I, my end game is I want to be able to hope to get us to like SEMA, you know, so where our veterans can have it on a national platform and we can get bigger names and, and more names in the industry to see that, you know, yeah, as veterans, you know, we may have our tendencies and our issues, but, you know, if w- once we get another skill set that we're passionate about, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I find it very hard to find a veteran or somebody who works harder than a veteran, you know, whether it's a veteran from Korean War to current conflict veterans, 
Um, it, it, it's, you know, once we get set on something and we want to learn something, we engulf ourselves in it. And so that was, you know, that was my thought process to it, you know, and, and so far we, we've done great. We launched in the middle of COVID, uh, you know, our numbers have grown steadily. Um, we've had classes that, you know, we've had more female classes, more females in the class than males. We've had that's awesome classes where we had a uh, Korean war veteran came. I mean, so it was amazing. You know, we have guys that just got out like six or seven months ago that are very, very fresh faced trying to decide. Um, so it, it, it's amazing to know that, um, we're being able to influence and help those veterans try to get that outlet and, you know, just keep them from the dark side of things. Yeah. So how does it work exactly? Because when you go to traditional welding school, you know, I don't know how long it is, but you go through the program and then you have to pass the tests and all that to get your certification, right? Yeah. So how does shift six do that part? Or are you certified to, you know, pass off on the test or excuse my ignorance. And for those who are listening, you know, how do you, how are you getting, how are you becoming, you know, the professional school parts where when veterans leave your program, you know, they have that paper in hand or, or do they not have that yet? So we're working on that right now. So our, our end game is, you know, within the next two to three years, we're going to have a brick and mortar establishment. Um, right now we operate out of the shops that we partner with and we're doing a lot of the classes where we try to garner what the veterans want to learn more. So um, a lot of it's been welding, a lot of welding and a lot of paint and, and uh, paint and body. And then uh, there's been a good niche for electrician, elect, electrical, excuse me. Um, but what we're going to be doing is we're going to partner with some of the local welding school instructors. I have one of my instructors. I'm going to take my instructor test as well. And so what the veterans will do is they'll come in and either they can partake in some classes or they can come in once we have our own establishment and we can log their hours. Once they've reached that, that, um, you know, the, the curriculum hours needed, then we'll test them, you know, same thing, do a bend test. We send it off, have them certified. And then our, our organization down the road will be able to pay for their certification and then they'll be able to start adding to their their certifications to where they can go out in the welding scene or the in the electrical field, you know, and, and join places like the, the unions, the local unions or go international and, and just go from where they were to where they now and making good money and be confident about who they are again and happy with who they are with their skill set. So if somebody comes to you and they want to learn to weld and they want to get their welding certification, by all means, they can go through, you know, your program with your folks kind of on their own time and they can get that certification done and walk away. Yeah. Yeah. As of right now, we're we're not up and running on that aspect, Um, but we do a lot of the classes. I've talked to a lot of uh, the, the, the guys and gals that have came through our programs. One of the guys, he's, I set him up with the school that I went to, um, and, you know, I told him that, you know, if you're somebody like me where you never welded a day in your life before, it's good to have that crawl, rock run, the crawl, walk, run, excuse me, and, and then go from there because you don't want to just hop in because you've been in one or two classes of welding. You want to have the overall understandings. You know, some people, they, they're, they're more on the technical side. Um, others, you know, they're more about the doing. Um, and that's why my big deal is getting people out there showing them that it's not that hard. You know, um, you give me 10, 15 minutes with anybody and I'm going to show you that it, it's, you know, once you know the basics of the machine, it's more your technique, you know, and then comfortability, you know, getting yourself comfortable can go from a great weld to a crappy weld. And, you know, and it's a lot veterans. We're very hard on ourselves, you know, and a lot of times that we think that we should be able to hop in and just go, 
when, you know, these technical jobs, it's not the case. We have to fine tune it. We have to, you know, like learn the good and the bad. We have to, you know, fall down, but we have to learn how to get back up. You know, welding, I'm not going to say that my welds are a lot as just as well as those TikTok guys. Um, but I, I can hold my own. I've worked <laughs> in a lot of industries. Um, I, I've been blessed to have the, the leaders and the, the mentors that I've had. But, you know, being a part of something like this, you know, you can come no judgment zone. You don't have to worry about being secluded. Everybody, we treat everybody on the same level. The guys um, born vintage, the hot rod shop that we partner with. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> they provide lunch. Um, we get coffee and donuts in the morning. And they, they treat it like everybody's fresh face, even though we have guys that, that, you know, that fabricate their own stuff already. They all come in and everybody helps everybody. So it's, it's you know, it's that team mentality of being back in the, the service again, yeah. knowing that, you know, you're there to grow not only as a person, but you're growing as a team because you may not know the gravity of your help, helping that person who didn't understand what that, what that does for them. Yeah. And then they go home. And then they're able to show we've done a, a mailbox actually and the, can't the, the viewers won't be able to see it, but right there my son was able to take a part of the, the program and uh we made old original like mailboxes piano hinge and everything and and uh we had a veteran she took it home to her dad and her dad didn't believe him so we actually had to send him send her videos to show him to prove so i mean it's and the bragging rights that that are a part of that are huge. They lift a the person's spirit so much oh, yeah. that, you know, it, it goes a long way. And then, you you know, once you get it on a bigger scale, getting these other companies, um, it means a lot because, you know, everybody knows somebody who's served or has served or is serving, you know, and um, we've, we've been blessed to have people donate all the way from um, CK Worldwide to Blue Demon to Weld Porn, um, uh, Rock Mountain, um, all those 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 welding companies, they've um, <clears throat> they've already donated. So, you know, to see that mission, you know, to see that mission already being put out there and have other veterans believe in it as well. The local hot rod shops, Born Vintage has been with us since day one. Um, you know, we're working with um, some of the guys at Harley to get to get into the Harley Davidson as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's we don't want to just keep it to where it's just hot rods. You know, we we we, we we're looking into um, getting with some of the local off road shops because everybody has their own avenues. Oh, yeah. You know, whether you you and I may be classic car guys, but, you know, I have some friends that they're diehard bikers. So, I mean, yeah. we're working and on there's that tons so, of off roading out there. I mean, that seems yes. to be kind of the trend right now is you know the jeeps and the broncos and the old blazers you know people you know fixing those things up lifting them and getting to where they can do rock climbing and all that stuff and um you know although some of it to me looks a little crazy and some some of those things <laughs> they try to climb up are a little steep a little sketchy but um you know it takes some fabrication you know companies aren't out there aftermarket making aftermarket parts so you can go climb up you know, a uh, 49 degree cliff, you know, yeah. sometimes it takes custom parts. So it's cool that the imagination side can kind of get out in some of this fabrication. And to your point, you know, it only takes one moment, one, yeah. one moment to lift somebody's spirits. That person kind of came there that morning saying, you know, if, if this doesn't work out and I don't have a good day, I'm gonna blow my head off tonight. And yep. that one moment of time 
change that thinking. And I know we get fixated on 22 a day, 22 a day. We have to stop it. Yeah, we do. I agree 100%. However, we can't focus on stopping somebody from doing it. We have to focus on changing their mind frame. Exactly. Because that's, you can stop them from doing it. You can stop somebody from committing suicide, even a veteran. But you stop them in that moment. If you don't give them a reason to think differently, tomorrow they're going to wake up and that same, that same corruption is still in their mind. That, that yes. negative mindset, you know, that, that evil or whatever it is, it's still in their head. So like you said, you know, we gotta, we gotta lift spirits. We gotta change mind frames. We gotta get, we gotta get deeper than that. We gotta get back to the connections, the hands on the team mentality and stuff like that. So it's awesome to see you guys doing that and having so many partners already. You know, you're obviously in a prime location. I mean, you've spouted yeah. off friends, connections, different shops already. And, you know, for a nonprofit in such an infancy, you know, being so new yeah. to have so much at your disposal already, you know, that's that's obviously a good sign that it's going to be very successful. And it sounds like you are already and you're on that upward trajectory. But, you know, what's what's a big project or what's next? What's the what's the next big goal? What's 2022 trying to look like? Um, 2022 is it, it's very, <clears throat> excuse me, up and down. Um, we're we're doing a lot. I'm I'm not tech savvy at all. Um, when the when I alluded to the like electrical stuff, kind of goes into computers and, and, and <laughs> uh, a lot of the networking stuff. So I'm I'm learning a lot of that. So, um, but what I do tell people is we have social media. Um, when we do do stuff, I post everything on Instagram and Facebook together. Um, we've got a website. Um, everything's linked. Um, if you can't get a hold of me, um, you can always. My, my board is uh, very active. They're um, they're all either donors or veterans themselves that they partook in the class. Um, that was one thing that when I kind of created this, I wanted them to be. I didn't want just to have the silent board members. I didn't want the people that just sat there and just voted on stuff. I wanted people that actually believed in the mission of what we're doing. You know, empowering the veterans. You know, it's all great, like you said, to say, oh yeah, let's do away with the twenty-two, but. If you're not doing something to, you know, to to actively do it, then what are we really doing? You know, we all talk about it. You know, it's um, it, it's great to do certain things. You know, it's great to do the, the 22 pushups a day. But how about empowering our veterans, giving them a skill set? You know, um, not everybody can afford that thirty, forty thousand dollar welding school. Uh, yeah. You know, um, you know, sometimes you, you just need that 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 like you said, that one small, you know, little taste of it, you know, seeing, you know, go from a broken down, beat up 67, 68 Camaro to a running, driving street machine that then you can take on the, the, what is it? The hot rod magazine power tour across the country. That would be huge. You know, um, doing it with family members. That's huge. Um, we actually had one of my older veterans. He actually brought his wife in and, um, the determination that he was struggling, she could tell, but he was so determined to do it. And it was just like one of those magical moments when they finally, he was finally able to just let everything click. It was great to be, to have other veterans around and to see the struggle because, you know, we all struggle with different things. And so well, in the conversation, being a part of the conversation yeah. is where it's at, man, because, yeah, you know, even though I haven't seen combat and I haven't seen combat like what you have, um, it's not about that. It's about the conversation. 
and sitting down because I have a, I have a lot to offer. You have a lot to offer. Yeah. You know, it's getting in the room with each other and letting our guard down and having good conversation. Cause that's where I've met so many great veterans, you know, who I call friends is because we got into the same room. We started talking and it was like, man, I feel really motivated. Like, you know, I feel, I feel like, man, this isn't it. Like life isn't that bad. You know, it's, yeah, we're, we're in this together. We might've come from different walks of life, you know, as far as yeah. our military branches go, but you know, we all wore camouflage. So there's more to it than that. I, I think, you know, in the, and uh, it may be cliche, but you know, whether, um, what we did was I kind of wanted to mirror it a lot to military and, but, you know, make it our own individuality for shift six. So we went a little cheesy and we have our mission statement, we have our motto and stuff like that. But, you know, our, our, our Latin saying every unit, major unit has it, you know, and, and it's simple doctrina. And so for me, that really embodies about what shift six really is. You know, our motto is rehab, rebuild, ride. You know, that that's great. You know, we take a veteran's mindset or the car that the veteran's working on, we rehab it and then we rebuild it and then they can ride out on it. They can enjoy their life. They can they can have that fruits of the labor. But the Sempre Doctrina is kind of what you're talking about. You know, I feel like it's, it's huge. We as veterans, you know, we I've, I've met guys that were, um, you know, paper uh, soft skill MOSs. And then I've met high skilled operators. And, you know, once you get us all in the room together, we just smoke and joke. We all crack the same jokes, Air Force versus everybody, Army versus Marines, Navy versus everybody, you know, and it's it's that great camaraderie. But, you know, when you get together and, you know, a lot of times that, that you, once you get over that, I feel like we all have that same strive and, and that drive to to want to do something great to continue doing it great because if not, then most of us wouldn't have joined, you know, yeah. some of us joined for the benefits, but you know, you wanted to be a part of, you know, something great serving your country. So when we did Sempre Doctrina, it means always learning, you know, it's whether you watch YouTube for 15 minutes and you learn the basics of bead rolling, or we get you in a hood and some gloves, you know, it's, it's all learning experience, you know, crawl, walk, run is huge, but you know, it, it's sometimes you just gotta, you gotta mess up. Um, I still do it sometimes. Um, sometimes my kid has to show me how to do sheet metal. Um, and it's embarrassing, but then I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know what, he's learning, um, from my mistakes and vice versa. You know, um, he's not a TIG guy like I am. He, he can do almost anything with MIG. He's, uh, he's magical, but it's, it came from, being vulnerable. I, I was uh, listening to one of the podcasts not too long ago and I uh, forget the gentleman. He was an army veteran as well. Um, and you know, he was speaking on vulnerability. Oh yeah. Carl Shifts. Sean Watkins. Yeah. He's an old yes, tanker. And I think, yeah. Yeah. That was actually what I wanted for my first job, but they told me I was too big and the army wouldn't pay for like scoliosis. So I was just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> so, but <laughs> I think, you know, the vulnerability that he spoke on is huge, you know, and vulnerability can lead to accountability and, you know, and, and leadership, you know, it all comes into to, to play, you know, integrity. It's all huge of what, who we were in the military and who we want to be to continue to be yeah. um, as veterans. And so, you know, we want to grow our skills. We want to educate ourselves. And so having an organization or a place to where our veterans can grow their skills and grow their mindset it's amazing. You know, we're, we're not just going to do just car stuff all the time. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're growing, we're going to, you know, stick to our roots uh, as much as we can. We're going to do a lot of races. We're going to do a lot of events, but you know, we, our main focus is our veterans, securing our veterans futures, getting them, you know, goals and, and, and 
stuff to aspire to do and people to aspire to be like. I know people that they were habitual drug users and they were in and out of jail. And now they're some of the most sought after welders in the world, but it's because somebody took a chance on them and someone gave them that one opportunity. And that's all we need with our veterans. We just need to give them that outlet. You know, we, we can't, yeah. like you said, we can't focus on all that stuff. We just got to focus on empowering our veterans, you know, and, and knowing that we're going to put in the work to do what we need to do to overcome all of our, all of our, our, our issues and, and look towards the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, shift six is uh, growing and evolving. Where can people find more at? What are the social handles? What's the website? Where's the, where can they get the scoop? Yeah. So we are, um, <clears throat> we're on Facebook and Instagram and, uh, our Instagram is project underscore shift underscore six. And then for Facebook, it's it's going to be Project Shift Six, and it's the number six, not the not the words. Yes, out. yeah, the number six. Yeah, so it'll be Project Shift Six all together, and then with the forward slash. But um, I mean, all of those are linked to my own personal phone to um to our email. We have an email address as well. It's um, shift dot six dot seventeen seventy six at Gmail as well. So if you ever have any like questions, you can hit us up there. Um, what we do is we, we try to be very open, honest, clean cut, you know, we, we don't beat around the bush. Um, don't like to sugarcoat stuff, <clears throat> but we, we want to make it enjoyable for everybody. You know, um, we're not always going to be able to, you know, say, Hey, let's do this class and do it just because that one person wants to do it. We got to look, you know, we, we try to keep everything, taking everything into account. If we can get the supplies in time, you know, coordinating with the, the local shops, the local, you know, industry, you know, uh, the metal suppliers and all that stuff we got. So it, it's a great organization. We have amazing partners. If it wasn't for our partners and the P and our sponsors and our donors, we wouldn't be able to be doing what we're, we're doing now. Um, yeah. I, it's huge without them. There is no us. And, you know, and then we're back to square one, trying to figure out another Avenue to where we can help our other veterans and their family members. So it's, it's just a blessing to be able to do it. So if you're in California, make sure you hit up Curtis Rutledge and Project Shift 6. That's the number six. Um, Google it. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Send him an email, shift.6.1776 at gmail.com. Those are all numbers. And hit them up. You know, if you got something you want to build, you know, you're working on a car, you want to learn some fabrication, maybe you want to learn to paint, electrical, whatever hit this guy up. He's the man to talk to. And, you know, with a little bit of patience and some pulling some strings, it sounds like he's got some great partners, man. I really admire your brother and what you're doing. Uh, we'll have to follow up again. Uh, you know, as the company grows, um, and, and I wish you all the best and I appreciate you coming on today. Well, it was an honor for you, uh, having us on. Um, I appreciate you guys letting us put out the word and spread the good word out there. It was an honor to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. Thank you.